Welcome to 55 in Maine. Today, Mark and I continue our discussion on tearjerker moments from Disney, but this time we focus on the works of Pixar and how Pixar has perfected the art of emotionally moving an audience. So join us for some waterworks at the intersection of 55 in Maine, where all roads lead to Disney. Hey everybody, welcome to 55 in Maine. I mentioned in our previous episode, this list came very easy for me. Yeah. Uh, I think uh, the, um, uh, I think the uh, uh, Pixar has uh, just perfected uh, this idea of bringing emotion uh, out of its audience. Um, and I'm actually kind of surprised if I see a Pixar movie and I'm not moved, yeah, which yeah. I don't know if that is a <laughs> criticism of the movie or not, but uh, if I, if I'm seeing a Pixar movie and I'm, I'm not crying at some point during the movie, uh, I know it's going to be lower on the list for me. Yeah. Uh, so, um, yeah, today's episode, uh, we're going to, and I can tell you, we, I have weeped in several of these <laughs> movies. Yes. So, uh, today's episode, we're going to talk about again, uh, crying men with their uh, families in a movie theater. Yeah. What's funny is that with Disney, our both of our number ones were for like the one of the very first Disney films, but I, I don't think anything from Toy Story One or Bugs Life or Monsters Inc. like made me that emotional. So mm-hmm. maybe it took a little while. Whereas like Disney, boom, hit you right away with like the hardcore emotions. But Pixar it took a little bit for them to build up to it. Yeah. yeah. Um, so we don't have any honorable mentions uh, for uh, for uh, today's episode. But we're going to start off with uh, my list. Uh, I'm Spencer. I didn't, didn't introduce ourselves. Uh, I'm here with... Mark. And so we're going to start off uh, with um, what would be uh, my number five. And my and number four. Mark's number four. And we kind of... kind of We have similar uh, films and scenes that moved us. So we kind of adjusted our list a little bit. But we're going to start off with... Uh, with uh, Toy Story 2 and the specific scene and montage <laughs> of uh, Jesse's song, uh, which is called When She Loved Me uh, by Sarah McLachlan. Yeah. And so, Mark, uh, what's going on with this song? Uh, why did this one get you? Well, a couple of things. It has, well, it's, it's a new character. And so it's, they were able to, get the emotion with someone you really haven't bonded with that much. And I think that's really important. Most of these. And you just, you just love Jesse after this, right? You you are, you are all in with Jesse. Absolutely. And a lot of the ones we have, um, are like at the beginning of movies. So it's amazing how they can like, without knowing a lot of what's going on, they can make you have those really intense emotions. But so in the scene, she's kind of, she has a girl that she loves Emily. Emily, yeah, Emily. And to me, it's the visuals matched up with the song. Like, I know Pixar is not known for their songs, but like, this is a song where, I mean, every time you hear it, it just kind of has this melancholy to it. Even if you didn't hear the lyrics, it would just have the sadness to it. Yeah. But then with the lyrics, you're like, whoa. And then with the visuals, it just wrecks you. Yeah, and, and Pixar is really good about kind of condensing a story in and being efficient and telling a story in a very finite amount of time. Mm-hmm. And so you get Jesse's backstory in about three minutes with this amazing song. 
and you find out she was beloved by Emily, just like Andy beloves Woody. Yes. And, uh, you know, Emily plays with Jesse all the time. Her bedroom is Western themed. Mm -hmm. And then as Emily gets older, her room starts changing. Yeah. Uh, she starts to become more of, you know, a, a typical girl, right? She has, I think, like a makeup area yeah. in her room and, and her posters change. Mm. And she starts having, uh, like, little girlfriends come and, and join her in her room and everything. And so um, it really encompasses, you know, essentially what, what uh, some of our actual protagonists, like Woody and Buzz, deal with in the whole franchise is, coming to terms with their owner growing up, you get that in about three minutes <laughs> I know. with Jesse. I know. Um, so, um, yeah, it's, you really just kind of care about Jesse right away after hearing this song. And, uh, I think the singer of this song helps. Yeah. Sarah McLachlan. Yes. Uh, because, uh, I mean, she's known for these, Kind of essentially cheesy emotional songs, like you know? songs you'd see with the sad dogs yes. late at night. One of those singers, yeah, yeah. And so I think that helps for sure. Uh, but it's it's again that mix of of song and story uh, and animation. Uh, and then the thing that devastates me sometimes is when she falls uh, underneath the bed mm -hmm. and she's there. I don't know how long she's there, oh, but yeah. she's there for years, is yeah. my guess, because there's a bunch of once Emily finds her again. Yeah. There's like a bunch of dust and like yes. little uh, uh, dirt and and, and uh, dust bunnies under the bed, mm -hmm. and uh, that just that crushes me every time. Oh, it's yeah. just like she's just totally forgotten. Yeah. Uh, so, um, and then finally she's she thinks, and it, again this is just crushing. She thinks Emily is gonna take her along for her life, and and she takes her in the car, and yes. Jesse's all happy, and then boom. She gets dropped off at the donation <laughs> truck, and it's just it's just harrowing. Like it is, cause she she never lost that love yeah. for Emily. It was always there. Cause usually when people break up, they kind of like if you got jilted, you kind of get mad at the other person. There was she was always excited and ready, and it was also sad to me because it wasn't like Bambi's mom dying or Dumbo's mom in jail. It was just like this happens. Yeah, you know, like I'm sure I've done this to my toys. Yeah, and well, how what. What emotional distress have I put my toys through? Because, <laughs> you know, you don't play with the same toys as you, as you were when you were five years old. And yeah. so it's just kind of like the, the realness of it just made it seem even more tragic. And, and uh, what's really cool about it, too, is it really colors her character for the rest of the franchise. Yeah. Because she is just so kind of nervous that once she hooks up with Woody and, and ends up with Andy... She's just so nervous about being left behind by Andy, mm -hmm. and she's nervous for Woody that Woody's gonna have to go through the same thing that she went through. Mm -hmm. uh, so it, it's this this uh, encapsulation of her character just in this kind of magical three minutes of of this uh, song. So yeah, plus uh, they also go into some dark areas where it makes you think like, wait, what would happen to her if she got put in a box in the attic? For eternity. Yeah. Is she like in prison for like what happened? Like what makes you think these things deeper on these levels? It's like, oh my gosh, there's some serious consequences to what's going on here. Yeah. Um, so the, uh, I have one question for you. Yeah. Um, there, there is a theory 
online and uh, you know the Pixar theory. Well, the Pixar theory is that many of these films are are connected. All of these films are connected somehow. Yeah. But there's a deeper theory when it comes to Toy Story. Do you know this? It is that Jesse's mom is Andy's mom. Yeah, or something, so, yeah. Right? Jesse's okay. owner Emily is Andy's mom. Got it. Um, because the hat, the cowboy hat that Andy's wearing in Toy Story One mm-hmm. is actually not Woody's cowboy hat. It's a cowgirl hat, which is very really it's identical to Jesse's hat. And uh, Andy's mom, we're never told her name. But she looks like she could be Emily. Sure. So, do you subscribe to that? Do you like that connection? Do you care? What do you I think? I love about that it? stuff. When I see, when I see um, Rapunzel's parents on the way to Anna and Elsa's wedding, or what, I don't know. I'm yeah, sure yeah. I'm wrong, but like, <laughs> whenever I see these multiverse stuff, I buy into it. I love it. I hope there's more of that. So I'm 100 percent on board with that theory. Yeah, I, I love it too. I, yeah. I think it it works. I know some sometimes like stringing together and connecting all of the films together MCU style yeah. is they probably don't intend it and it's probably like little Easter egg things. Yeah. 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 But I think that just deepens the layer for the toys, just the toy story franchise specifically. Mm-hmm. If, if Andy's mom is Emily that connects all of the characters together yes. on a deeper level. And so I just really, I really enjoy that theory. I, know, so I, I hope it. it's right. Yes. Uh, so that is, uh, our, uh, one of our big tearjerker moments, uh, that was my number five and Mark's number four, mm-hmm. uh, Jesse's song from Toy Story 2. Uh, so let's talk about another Toy Story film, and that is Toy Story 3. Mm-hmm. So Mark, you want to start us off on, uh, on this one? Sure. So I think we have different parts that really kind of hit us, although we were both affected by these. But I'm going to talk about near the end of the film when the toys all think they're going to be incinerated <laughs> and like what a dark way to go i mean you kill bambi use mom that's one character this is like everybody you've spent the past 15 years growing up with are just going to die in this moment being burned up in the dump and that part is harrowing but if the part that gets you the most is when uh, I think it's Woody's the first one to get it, or maybe it's Buzz, but they start like holding hands yeah. together and they've resigned themselves to their fate, but they're going out together as a team. Like, you know, they, they're, not, they're not alone when they go do this, but they've totally accepted that they're going to die. And it would be the biggest killing in a Disney, like <laughs> 10, 12 characters you love. Uh, so emotional. And that would be mine. But then, what's well, yours? So mine is the very end uh-huh. of Toy Story 3. Yeah. Uh, when Andy uh, takes the box, he doesn't decide to put them in the attic. Yeah. He uh, decides to give them away and give them away to Bonnie. Uh, and Bonnie has, I think, become a really fun character through yeah. the Toy Story shorts and then Toy Story 4. Uh, but uh, when Andy decides to give his, essentially his childhood away and again thematically this is uh him moving on uh from his childhood Mm. and um he it goes one by one through uh through each toy he does yeah it's he takes one out and there's a special moment with each toy ham and rags yeah with all of them uh and and uh you you finally get to woody who he had intended to take to college 
with him, and uh, but Woody decided to jump back into the box, and Andy is kind of says like, how, "Well, how did you get here?" And Bonnie says, "My cowboy." Oh, she does. Yeah, oh. and because uh, oh, she had him early. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. that's right. And uh, um, Andy, for a split second, does not want to give Woody away, <laughs> and it's just this moment of. No, I, I have to hold on to something of my childhood. This was my, he was my favorite toy. He was with me in all of my adventures. And um, that moment, specifically that moment, uh, got me in the theater. And I was crying, crying, crying. <laughs> uh, and I've, I think I've talked to you about this before. But this movie came out in 2010. And I was about 21, 22 years old. And uh, I had just graduated college. And Andy's just going off to college. And so, for whatever reason, I totally identified with Andy, and uh, you know this concept of you your childhood's done. Now it's time to figure out the rest of your life. Just really hit me. Uh, and so, the end of Toy Story three uh, of the the giving up of the toys and and uh, and it's you know he could have he could have uh, put them in the attic. He could have donated them to the uh, to the daycare. He could have taken him to a random goodwill, but I also love the fact that he gave him to Bonnie, uh, and so uh, that someone else can enjoy them and mm-hmm. enjoy their childhood like he did. It's just uh, one of I think the best, not only tearjerker moments by Pixar, but one of the best moments of Pixar in general. So what about when he actually like plays with her? Yeah, and they have that moment where like he's back to being a six-year-old kid doing all these imagination. Like, does that part get to you? Oh too? yeah, that that whole I don't know how long it is, but probably the last ten minutes of the yeah. film. Uh, and then obviously the very end when you know she's sitting on the porch and she's got all the toys around her, and Andy gets in his car and looks out the window, and uh, uh, she uses Woody's hand to yeah. wave goodbye. Oh, like Woody's waving goodbye. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> so, yeah, that uh, that just... The kind of final 10 minutes of, of that film are, are incredibly moving for me. And I remember being touched by the very last shot is they kind of like zoom up into the clouds and it's the same background yes. as the beginning. So it's like everything's come full circle. Yes. Yeah, really uh, well done. And and your moment that you talked about too, I, I was going to kind of lump in. I'm glad sure. I didn't. I'm glad you, you took this one, but uh, I was going to kind of lump it in. But there's a great shot of them holding hands. Yeah. And, and it's uh, this great piece of animation. And you just realize like, wow, this, this – I think this is one of the moments where, you know, you watch these Disney films and just movies in general – Essentially, good guys win, bad guys lose, yeah. and it's usually happy ending. This I I was in the theater going, oh, this is this might happen. Like yeah, these like, guys. What's going to happen to stop this? Yeah, like you can't predict what's going to happen to stop it. Yeah. yeah. So um, yeah, that uh, your pick is uh, is a really good one too. <laughs> so we've talked about Toy Story here, Toy yeah. Story two and three. Um, have you seen Toy Story four? I have. Uh-huh. Okay. Uh, are there any moments? That got you in Toy Story 4? Because there was one that got me a little bit at the beginning of the movie. Nothing, actually. Nothing. I, I would consider Toy Story 4 to be at a second tier okay. of Pixar films. So no, nothing really got me on that one. Okay. Because I, I think for some people, the end when Woody and Buzz say their farewells, it didn't get me no, not that, either, that yeah. much. Uh, but maybe for some people. 
But the moment that kind of got me a little choked up was at the very beginning where uh, Bo Peep uh, is in the box and being donated and Woody is out like saving the RC car. Yeah. And he can't really do anything to help her. And then eventually he makes it to the box. Yeah. And he has this moment of, uh, of where he almost leaves his gang of friends, his pals, to her. be with Bo Peep. Yeah. And which obviously sets up the end of the film. Uh, but uh, I really bought into that and their you know, love for each other. Yeah. That he was willing to almost go with her uh, and leave. And at that point, not leave Bonnie but leave Andy, yeah. his like best friend in the whole world, and yeah. he's willing to almost give that up for Bo Peep. So that yeah. moment, uh, that was a cool flashback to, again, kind of uh, a point. little bit more depth uh, to show that kind of the conflict that Woody has been in. So Totally. Uh, so that's our discussion on Toy Story. That Toy Story is not going to be on the rest of our list. No. Uh, but um, your number three. Yep. Uh, we'll we'll get to that one. So what's your number okay. three? So I'll do this one real quick. My number three is Finding Nemo. And it is the first about five minutes of Finding Nemo. And like we've said, some of these are happy some tears. Some are sad tears. Some are like happy and sad. But this is just nothing but sad. Pure tears tragedy. And pure tragedy. I don't even let my kids watch it. It's so sad. It's when you see as an adult, you realize like Marlon had... Well, first he had a wife, right? And then he had... I don't know, a hundred of these little baby eggs. And then this little eel creature comes in. And this is before any dialogue, before anything, um, and eats all of them and kills his wife. And so he's completely alone. And you see how sad he is, just totally alone, until he finds one little tiny egg that somehow made it. And then that part, you just like, it didn't take long at all to get the waterworks going. And then the music they play, like the Finding Nemo theme song is actually a really sweet theme song. And so then they play the music and it's just like such a whirlwind of emotions, tragic, happy, I mean, tragically sad, but happy that he kind of has one left and then kind of like melancholy theme song. And it all is the first 90 seconds of the <laughs> film. Um, and so, yeah, that's my, that's my number three. And as an adult watching it with kids, it makes you cry way more than when I was younger. So, Mark, are you going to ask me the same question you did the last time we talked about Finding Nemo? Why isn't this one on my list? <laughs> Why is this one not on your list? <laughs> um, again, it's just my affinity for, uh, for Finding Nemo. I'm, yeah. not the, I'm not the lover of Finding Nemo, as you are. Yeah. Uh, so uh, this one just doesn't, doesn't, uh, doesn't hit me. Again, I, I need to revisit Finding Nemo uh, and I might have a different perspective on it with, with my daughter. And we've watched it a couple times with my daughter. Yeah. Just in the background. Cause okay. she's kind of, she's kind of on the same, uh, probably about five or six movies that she okay. just wants to watch over and over and over sure, again. Sure, sure. And Nemo's one of them. Uh, but typically it's just kind of there Yeah. and I'm not invested in, in actually watching it. Yeah. So, uh, I am curious to see if my, my mind gets changed eventually. Sit down and watch the first 90 seconds and then let me know <laughs> if you have a heart of stone or not. Yeah. All right, so uh, Finding Nemo, uh, the beginning, uh, is Mark's number three. Yep. Uh, So uh, my number two and Mark's number two 
uh, come from the same film, different moments, mm-hmm. uh, but those come from Inside Out. And uh, the moment for me from Inside Out is the disappearance mm. of Bing Bong. <laughs> I don't know why, but when I saw this movie in theater, I openly wept. <laughs> like, <laughs> legit tears coming down my face. Um, my wife was very surprised. <laughs> uh, I, I don't know why. I, I just identified with... I, I, I can't identify with Bing Bong because he's an imaginary character. Did you uh, have one of your own? I, I did not. Okay. Uh, so, again, I don't, I don't quite understand why I was yeah. so attached to Bing Bong. Maybe it's the sacrifice that he makes... I mean, he's essentially giving up his life mm-hmm. uh, to get joy out of what I think was it. Is it called deep memory? That's it. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, uh, so it's kind of his last gasp, right? It's uh, the last moment he has with Riley and Riley will. I mean, the, the way that that movie is set up is that literally Riley will never remember yeah. him ever again. <laughs> You're right. <laughs> so um, <laughs> it's it just he's a very fun character. He's got his fun song and his the character design yeah. is is really uh, cool, and so maybe that's part of it where it's this this uh, inherently fun positive character dies uh, and in a way that is self sacrificial. I think all of that just uh, really moved me in the theater. So, uh, and this is one movie that I haven't I've seen it a couple times since I saw it in the theater. Mm. But I haven't really revisited it to really get into it and study it because of the fact that I just, <laughs> I was so emotional when I saw the movie. And it's crazy because the movie's about emotions. So, yeah, you're right. Um, you're right. Uh, so yeah, so the, uh, the disappearance, and if you want to call it death of Bing Bong, is, is uh, my uh, number two. Did it hit you all of a sudden, or did you see it coming? You just like, oh no, they they can't make it with all like someone's got a. Did you get it beforehand? I when they got into deep memory, because um, he's in there with joy. Yeah, um, it was a slow build for me, and I, maybe that's why I was kind of caught off guard. Oh, you were okay. Yeah, it, where when you jumped was, off, you didn't. You're like, what are you doing? Yeah. Like, oh, yeah. okay. So, um, yeah, maybe that's part of it. Where, and again, Pixar is so good at these emotional moments. Um, but I was so kind of engaged with the adventure with joy that I, I just didn't see it coming, I guess. And so it just hit me like a ton of bricks, uh, <laughs> that, uh, uh, cause again, I think, uh, Bing Bong, you don't expect it from that character. I, I don't know. He's kind of just a secondary side character yeah. that you don't necessarily think the emotion's going to come from that character. So, um, yeah, maybe I was caught off caught off guard a little bit, <laughs> but I was I guess I was caught off guard a lot because I cried a lot <laughs> when he uh, when he went away. So, uh, so uh, Bing Bong uh, was my moment from Inside Out. But what okay. about you? You have a different moment I from do. Inside Out. I do. So, um, I have two daughters, and my oldest daughter. Um, when we when I saw this movie, I was thinking about her a lot and how. The whole movie is from the perspective of this little, like, pre-teenage girl. And the moment when she finally comes back home and she kind of tells her mom and dad, like, how sad she is and how she doesn't want to be there. 
anymore. It's just the culmination of her journey, of Joy's journey inside of her mind. And uh, like, there's no real like bad guy in this movie. And so like, this felt like the climax of the movie, but it wasn't built, the climax wasn't built on, here's the bad guy, we must defeat the bad guy. It was all an emotional. And so the fact that it all builds to this one moment just kind of totally wrecked me. And then, like I've said before many times, if I didn't have any kids, I don't think it would have got me that much, but I just imagine like what I went through at that age, what my daughter's gonna go through at that age, how like everyone's gonna have to go through these motions and feelings. and. Um, it, I don't know if it was sad or happy or probably a combination of both of those emotions but it just totally hit me when she walked in that, in that house and just kind of let all her emotions out because that's what she needed to do it's like the emotions weren't connecting in her mind and that's why things were chaos but understanding it also bridges right at the moment when you see like um, these happy moments but then they're sad at the same time and these sad moments then become happy moments and so also, like this movie totally changed kind of the way I see life. And so also I was like realizing things in my own life that were like being, you know, like these emotions were coming through in me that I didn't realize before. And so it totally just all these emotions wrapped up in this one moment for me. So I have a couple questions yeah. for you. Inside Out is your favorite Pixar movie. Yeah. You've called it one of your favorite and what you consider one of the greatest films yes. ever made. Yes. Uh, so I have a couple questions. Yeah. One, one is a movie question. Okay. The other is like a, a real life question. Okay. So number one, you love this movie. Mm -hmm. Several of the movies on this list that we, like Toy Story that we talked about, are sequels. Yeah. Do you want a sequel to Inside Out? If you do, uh, what, would you want it to be about Riley, maybe older? Would you want a different kid? Would you want an adult? Good question. Um, or do you think it's a perfect movie and it shouldn't be touched and there should not be a sequel? I'm cool with a sequel, but I want it to be a completely different tone. And I don't want it to be the tone of this first one. I'd rather have a silly one, maybe with like her boyfriend, where like Riley can be in it, you know, and Joy can be in it. But like, I'd rather see maybe her dad. Anytime, because the big hits of the movie, like the big laughs is when you go into the the, the, parents. the parents' head, and when you go into the boyfriend's head, and when you go into like the dog's head, <laughs> and so either like take a like don't make it about Riley anymore. Either brand new character or like small little vignettes where you spend twenty minutes with this character, and then they walk this, they cross the street, and then they another person crosses the street, and then you jump into their brain. Like I think it's it's rife for really good, clever filmmaking, but. I think Riley's story is just so good. I just don't want to see them touch it. Got it. Yeah. And so my next question uh, is a real life question. Yeah. So your your tearjerker moment from this film is the end where they reunite. Yes. Have Have you experienced that yourself? As far as like maybe uh, when you were a kid, did you get lost and couldn't find your parents and you reunited, or have you you know ever? you know, misplaced your kids at Disneyland or at the grocery store or anything? I have. We were, it was Christmas time. We were at World of Disney in downtown Disney. And I'd like never seen this many people before. You've been at Disneyland yeah, at Christmas yeah. time. Like it's nuts. And my son is prone to just kind of like wander off. And I felt bad because it was totally my fault. And I was supposed to be watching him and I was probably looking at some dumb toy. <laughs> and I was like, I don't see him. 
And then there were just so many people here and he was so small. I was like, he's gone. And so then I remember like panicking, we're going from zero to panic, like in less than a second. And then searching for my brother was there and saying, I can't find Owen, like help me. And then finding him, I can't find him. And probably felt like for forever, it was probably three or four minutes, but immediately my mind went to like, he's gone forever. He's going to be kidnapped. I don't know. It was like probably one of the worst moments, maybe the worst moment I've ever felt like emotionally. Luckily it only lasted three minutes. We found him and he was fine. But yeah, that feeling is just the worst feeling. Yeah. And so maybe that also, and if you haven't had that feeling, you can connect with it. You can, you can f empathize with that, even if you haven't felt it and to feel it all like kind of, she came home was just such a big moment. Good. Yeah. Cool. Uh, so that's our, uh, that's our uh, moments from inside out. Yeah. Uh, and so now we are at what would be uh, my number four. Yep. But your number one. Yes. So uh, you wanna you wanna take this first? You want me to do it? How uh, would you do it? Okay. Start off. All right. So my number four, which is also Mark's number one, is from Coco. And uh, the specifically the ending uh, of of Coco when Miguel. Uh, sings Remember Me yeah. to Mama Coco. <laughs> um, this is, uh, number one, a, a very good song yeah. as well. Um, and man, now that I'm, now that we're talking about this, I can see kind of a connection uh, with this and Bing Bong. Okay. Yeah, hear me out. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but the whole idea of being forgotten. Ah, right? So yes. if, yes, if, yes. Uh, uh, if, Mama Coco does not remember her husband. He will be gone forever, right? Mm -hmm. And have to be stuck in the in the world of dead and can never cross back over. Well, then he disappears. Disappears, And we're right? like, there's that one guy he met who his family forgot him and he literally just like faded yeah, yeah, away. Yeah, okay, yeah, you're yeah. right. Um, so um, this idea, I don't know if I have a hang-up on being <laughs> forgotten or something. I don't know. Uh, but... Um, it's just a beautiful moment. It's I think what's interesting about it too is you don't see this a lot in movies, and or in storytelling in general. But uh, it's this cross generational thing. You have this very young kid mm -hmm. trying to connect with a very old woman. Yeah. And so yeah. and that's hard. In, just in society, people have been through different experiences, and you know you hear complaints all the time about how the youth don't understand the elderly or the, this generation does just doesn't get this generation. Right. And so I think that's a really interesting idea that this movie explores is that Miguel, in order to save, um, his, what would be great grandfather. Yes. Um, he has to connect emotionally with his great grandmother mm -hmm. and it's such a beautiful moment. It's a great song. They have they have the uh, um, remember me version by the older actors, but I think this the young voice yeah. really enhances the the song, mm -hmm. uh, and um, kind of on a personal level, uh, my grandmother had passed away about a year before uh, the movie came out, yeah, uh, and so it hit me, it hit my mom, uh, and just yeah. that moment of of trying to reconnect with somebody who, I mean, not only will um, his great grandfather be forgotten, but she's fading away essentially as well. Right. I mean, she's kind of 
just stuck in that chair for yeah. pretty much the whole movie and people kind of ignore her and um and so uh yeah i just that moment is so good and uh, uh so moving uh but it's my number four but it's your number one so why is this i mean it's a relatively new entry into pixar the it movie's is only a couple of years old yeah uh so why is this number one over some of these some of your favorite films like inside out and finding Nemo? yeah so I think it was the experience of being in the movie theater. So I saw it with my oldest daughter. And when it was this moment, everything you said, we were feeling like spot on. But uh, I saw myself start to cry. And then uh, my daughter grabbed my hand and I saw she was crying. And so then that made me cry even more when I was looking at her. And then her looking at me made her cry even more. And so I think... It's a lot of the experience we were in that really, really got us. Yeah. Yeah, and that's one of the best parts about just the theater experience, right? Yeah. Is if you go see a, a comedy, some of the best parts about seeing a, a comedy are laughing with a room yeah. full of people, right? When or you being see a scared. Horror film, yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. Um, and so that's a great moment for your family mm -hmm. and I think just people in general. So, um, I, I I really identify with that experience and um, that film. So yeah. Um, so Coco, uh, the Remember Me song at the end is your number one, my number four. So we got to get to my number one. And for your number one, I think if you're polling a random group of people and we're kind of like reminding them these are all the options, I think yours would be. And again, th this this I, I'm going to ask you the question. Okay that you asked me about Finding Nemo is I, yes. I'm shocked that this is not at least on your list somewhere. Yeah. Uh, but my number one uh, is from Up, and that is basically the opening 10 minutes, the opening montage uh, of the film. Yeah. So the film opens with uh, young Carl, and he's sitting in, the, in a theater, and he's dreaming of adventures, and uh, he leaves the theater, and then he meets this little girl who's having her own adventure, uh, and that's Ellie, and uh, they hit it off, mm -hmm. and then you have this montage of their life together. And it is so gripping and heartbreaking. Um, they're trying to save up to go um, to uh, the falls mm -hmm. that they have dreamed of their whole life, and uh, they have to break the bank uh, several times to... Mm -hmm. Uh, I think he breaks his leg at one point yeah. and um, uh, it's, it's about, to me, it's about um, what life really is because mm -hmm. so many people dream about, oh, I'm going to get rich. I want to go on this vacation. I want to travel here. Uh, I want to have the best house and, and the best life I can have. And what that movie is saying and what that montage sets up is that life isn't about that. Mm. It's about the person that you're with, uh, the moments that you create together. You don't have to be uh, halfway around the world to have a great life. You can create a great life together where you are, um, which is one of the great moments uh, towards the end of the film where he realizes that as he goes through mm -hmm. the adventure book and he uh, uh, bonds with Russell is that he can create great new memories with Russell. Yeah. Uh, but the opening montage has some of the most heartbreaking scenes that she'll ever see yeah. in, in a movie. Yeah. Uh, I mean, 
she, you know, Ellie has uh, loses a baby. Yeah. And they they show her in the hospital. They show her in their nursery that they are, had already set up. That's right. And she sits oh. there in her chair just, you and she know, cries, morning. Right? Yeah. Yeah. And, oh. uh, um, and then you eventually see, you know, them get older and she dies and Carl's there by himself. And uh, it's, uh, I, again, I, I teach a, a film class and it's a master class in uh, visual storytelling as well. There's no dialogue yeah. throughout that whole sequence. Uh, it's just music and images and you just uh, connect with those characters and you and you feel for them and it's so it's so real it's so raw that uh, people go through this in real life mm-hmm. they have they they have this person that they love and you know they they you know have this life together and then it's gone uh, and uh, it's just uh, I think a a perfect uh, sequence, an incredibly bold and risky move to put that at the opening <laughs> of your movie, uh, especially when you think about uh, most animated films are made for kids. Uh, I would argue that Pixar does a really good job of making movies, not just making movies for kids, but yeah. just movies in general. They tell good stories. And it's an incredibly bold move for them to put this sequence at the beginning of the yeah, film. It is. Are your are your uh, uh, audience members uh, going to stick around for this super depressing, uh, sad sequence? Yeah. Uh, and I kind of correlate it to my favorite Pixar movie is Wally, and I'm actually kind of bummed out that Wally yeah, doesn't nothing, have a moment on this. You're right. List. Nothing from Wally. Uh, you're right. <clears throat> there, they have, there's some very tender moments, but I don't know if there's any tearjerker moments for that movie. Uh, but the opening 30 minutes of Wally are again very risky, very bold, not a lot of dialogue almost like a silent film and so here you see that uh in up as well so yeah. up uh is uh, uh my number one tearjerker uh moments from pixar so i gotta ask the question mark you and i think a lot of other people want to know why this isn't on your list i'm the whole time we're talking i was thinking like what defense do i have and i don't <laughs> have any no you're right is it's it kind of like finding nemo for me where it just doesn't it no, does. it hit me. I don't, I don't know what I was thinking. Not, <laughs> not putting it on there. Uh, the score by Michael Giacchino yeah. mm-hmm. was, is just so good. I do remember, though, watching in the theater and watching it at home with my kids. Every time, little kids ask, like, why is she sad? And it's kind of like, do you ex- like, how do you explain it? You don't yeah. really have time to kind of like, because the movie keeps rolling. They don't, like, so, like, it is, it brings some pretty heavy issues that, like, are hard to explain to kids. So, I mean, I, that's not a criticism, I guess, but it's just kind of something I remember is in the theater, everyone's saying, Mom, what's, why is he sad? Like, what's, what's going on? Um, While you're there crying. Yeah, exactly. Exactly, exactly. So you don't have that bonded experience like you did in No, Cooper. no. It's more like, oh, crap, i got to explain what's going on with my kid right now. Uh, but I think the ending gets me more, though, when he gets the book and he's like, oh, I already had my adventure. Yeah, that's a great moment, you too. You know, it's like, to me, that hits me stronger than okay. anything in that montage. Got it. Yeah. What makes him so bitter at the end? Because he's like a grunt. Is it because his wife passed yeah, away? Yeah, I think he's just make, lonely. That turns him grumpy and mean? Yeah, I think he's just uh, just lonely. And uh, I think in his eyes, he didn't, he's had a bad life. Because he, oh. he didn't get to go anywhere. He didn't... Um, 
get to take his wife to the he didn't have to, he didn't have the dream life that he thought he would interesting um and i think he's trying to hold on to kind of the memories that he did have because i mean the, uh you look at the the part after the montage is uh where his house is surrounded by mm-hmm. like uh, corporate development and and that sort of thing and and uh, these people are trying to buy up his house, and he doesn't want to let go of it. The the mailbox is exactly the same as as uh, how they painted it earlier yeah. in the montage, and yeah, yeah. he still has Ellie's chair. Again, one of the great moments is when he finally tosses out the chairs, and then yes. they're sitting there on the side of the side of the cliff. <laughs> That's right. Uh, That's but really and, and the the thing that kind of sets him off that you know he hits the guy in the head with his with his uh, walker is the destruction of the mailbox. Mm. And so I think maybe that, that symbolizes Ellie and, and yeah. that sort of thing. And so uh, he doesn't want things taken away from him. So he's kind of bottled everything up and become this grumpy old man. When, when, you, when you actually see his life with Ellie, he's not grumpy at all. No. Uh, he's incredibly this incredible hap- happy guy. So, yeah. Um, uh, yeah. So I think there's a lot to, uh, to up. And, and what I like, again, what I, what I love about Pixar is that there's so much depth that we could spend hours and hours talking about. Yeah. I mean, you look at my number one, uh, I think not only is it a tearjerker moment, but I think I, on just a film basis, you could study it so much yeah. on uh, your number one with, with Coco. Um, I think there's a lot to, to dig into with that one as well. So uh, when it comes to these Pixar films, there's just, I think they've perfected this idea of, emotionally engaging and uh, connecting with with the audience and especially because they they get that emotional level but there are certain images that like the image of of the house and up and all the balloons is just like almost like brings tears to your eyes because it's just so beautiful yeah and then in coco when he first gets land of the dead and that big view of the whole land of the dead city is like overwhelming and then uh, Finding Nemo, some of those underwater, especially when you saw it back in like 1998 or whatever, like yeah, the 2000, underwater, 2003, I think. The underwater stuff, you're like, oh my gosh, like I can't believe I'm seeing this. So like they're able to manage the technical brilliance of these computer animation, but then with hitting the emotional level, and that's why they're so successful. All of them is because they're top of the line technical skill, but the emotions there too. Yeah. All right, so that is our uh, our discussion on the uh, our favorite Pixar tix, uh, Pixar tearjerker moments, and uh, uh, yeah, I want to watch these movies again. <laughs> uh, see if uh, see if my mind changes or or, or uh, if I still cry. Nothing from Cars Two made you cry. <laughs> really not. <laughs> just really how bad not. it was yeah. overall. Just <laughs> yeah. made you cry. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, those are those are bad tears. <laughs> Um, so, uh, so Mark, uh, thank you for our discussion today. All right. And uh, we hope to see you guys back at 55 in Maine. All right, see ya.